Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, 1547-1616, is widely considered to be the finest writer in the Spanish language. Many deem his Don Quixote the first and greatest modern novel. Forced to leave Madrid after wounding a man in a duel, he moved to Rome to serve under Cardinal Julio Acquaviva. He was seriously wounded while commanding a skiff in the Battle of Lepanto and ended up spending five years in captivity when taken hostage by Ottoman corsairs. After regaining his freedom, for years he struggled to make a living. A writer of plays and poetry, he is best remembered for his novels and short stories. Among these are La Galatea, exemplary novels, The Trials of Persiles and Sigismunda, but above all, the ingenious Hidalgo, Don Quixote de la Mancha. In this interview, Professor Michael J. McGrath will explain his pick of the best books in Cervantes and his work, and whether there is more spiritual depth than meets the eye to the escapades and musings of Don Quixote and Sancho Panza. Michael J. McGrath is a professor of Spanish at Georgia Southern University and a corresponding fellow of the Sankirti Royal Academy of History and Art in Segovia. His research focuses on early modern Spanish life and literature, with special emphasis on cultural studies, the Comedia, Don Quixote, and intellectual history. He is author of more than 70 publications, including Don Quixote and Catholicism, Rereading Serpentine Spirituality, and the first English translation of The Art of the Game of Chess, a treatise on the game by the Spanish priest, Rui Lopez. Professor McGrath, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. First of all, what would you add to the preceding biographical sketch of Cervantes? Um, I would say that for many years, his Catholic faith has, faith has been somewhat discounted by many scholars. While they recognize it, they don't truly, I feel, challenge the Catholicism of Cervantes' life in the sense that they attribute his religious beliefs more to Christian humanism than traditional Catholicism. And that's something that I I I discuss in the book Don Quixote and Catholicism, and it's really a topic that began to really um, occupy my curiosity when I was studying to be a permanent deacon. I was ordained in 2008, and during the five years of formation, which were mainly based on Ignatian spirituality, I kept coming back to Don Quixote. I kept being reminded of Don Quixote, which was a novel I was familiar with and I'd read several times. But it was really during that period of my life that I took a new look at the novel Don Quixote. And the result is the book Don Quixote and Catholicism. So, while, as you've already mentioned, um, there is a certain the, the theological or spiritual content to Cervantes' work. Now, while he's not a preacher, but a writer, is that a deliberate theological or spiritual impetus? I think so. And I think that's what's been discounted in the sense that 
He was also the novel Don Quixote is a satire. It's it's based on the on Cervantes's many people believe desire to make fun of books of chivalry, but yet Cervantes's faith is prevalent throughout the novel, and it's I think and in my book I talk about this. I think it's more um, part of Cervantes' writing style as well. Uh, Mernico Castro just a great literary critic from Spain who wrote a lot about Cervantes. And he described Cervantes as a skilled dissembler. And so you really have to look at between the lines what Cervantes was trying to say. But you also, I think, have to do that. You can't just do it based on reading Don Quixote. You have to truly look at Cervantes's life and his family. And so this biographical information, I think, truly um, gives credence to the idea that Cervantes was a devoted Catholic. And this faith comes through not just in Don Quixote, but also in other works of his literature. And Don Quixote is, by some accounts, the most widely translated book after the Bible. It's also considered the first and greatest modern novel. Would you agree with that assessment? Oh, most definitely. And that's um, and what you just said is every is what I share with my my students all the time, regardless of the level, whether it be a beginning class in Spanish or graduate level class. I talk about Don Quixote, whether that's the main focus or not. And I ask the students, why is a book from early 17th century published in two parts, 1605 and 1615? the most widely translated book in the history of literature with the exception of the Bible. And why am I, why are we talking about it here in the 21st century? The first book you've chosen is Eric J. Zielkowski's The Sanctification of Don Quixote, From Hidalgo to Priest. Zielkowski argues that a number of subsequent authors have drawn inspiration from Don Quixote and see him as embodying the condition of religious belief in modernity. Leading a religious life in modernity is a Quixotic pursuit because one takes for real what society deems illusory. Ziokovsky analyzes three novels, how they interpret and re-elaborate Don Quixote in this way, Henry Fielding's Joseph Andrews, Doskoski's The Idiot, and Graham Greene's Monsignor Quixote. Um, what else can you tell us about this book? Was um I would say that, first of all, Eric Zolkowski, this is really the first study to examine a lineage of the character of Don Quixote. And he truly makes a parallel between Don Quixote and, in some cases, Jesus Christ. Um, there. On page, if you, if I may, on page 184 in the book, Zolkowski has a list of characteristics that Jesus, he perceives Jesus Christ as sharing with Don Quixote, and he acknowledges, for example, Christ was alleged to be the blood of David. Don Quixote claimed to be descended from a king. Um, Christ was called the Galilean, 
Jesus, uh, Don Quixote, the Knight of La Mancha. Uh, Jesus Christ was born in a humble village, which his birth raised from obscurity, with his, which his birth raised from obscurity. Don Quixote was also of a humble village, which through his name lives in the world's memory. And so what he does is make this comparison, but he also points out that there are more than 160 quotations and paraphrases of the Old and New Testaments in the novel Don Quixote. Uh, Zolkowski also points out um, that Cervantes never denies God or his institutions. And as I mentioned, that goes along with what Americo Castro was saying that Cervantes was a skilled dissembler who professed allegiance to Catholicism. Zolkowski also describes Don Quixote as a canonic figure. St. Paul's description of the incarnation in Philippians um, chapter 2, verse 7, talks about this emptying event of the incarnation. Christ is the suffering servant. And Zolkowski compares this canonic figure to, to Don Quixote, that Don Quixote himself is humbled throughout the novel, throughout his many adventures. And he also points out part of the irony that I think has, has led a lot of scholars astray with respect to Don, uh, Cervantes' Catholicism, they believe that Cervantes was criticizing the Catholic faith and something that I attributed more to the literary style of Cervantes. For example, in chapter six of part one, you have the scrutiny of the, the books of Don Quixote's library. They were, they were burned and the priest and the barber go through each of the books and talk about their virtues, talk about why they deserve to be saved or not saved. And these books are thrown into a fire. And a lot of scholars have seen that as a satire of the Inquisition's burning of heretics. In another episode, Sancho wears a garb that's usually worn by the Inquisition's convicts, but then he places that same garb on his donkey. And Zolkowski points out that Cervantes does not criticize the church or its dogma, but if anything, he's criticizing its vehicles like the Inquisition. Your second book pick is a book chapter by the noted Spanish literary critic and cultural historian Américo Castro. Almost a century ago, he published a book called The Thought of Cervantes and was one of the first scholars to argue that Cervantes had a systematic conception. What is the thesis of Castro's The Incarnation in Don Quixote? This is a, a fascinating article, not surprisingly. Uh, it, its author is Americo Castro. And Incarnation in Don Quixote, first what uh, Americo Castro does is talk about the incarnation in a more secular sense. The idea that our incarnation is a process of life. And he writes, quote, unconsciously, we lose ourselves in the charm of these unique pages, 
for an effect such as the essential process of all human life, talking about the novel Don Quixote, that the essential process of all human life is that of self-creation and expression in contextual with all possible circumstances. But then a little bit later in the article, he addresses incarnation in its religious context, and he writes, quote, the major theme of Don Quixote is the interdependence, the interrealization of what lies beyond man's experience and the process of incorporating that into his existence. And what Americo Castro does is he makes a distinction between what he calls limited lives, which he illustrates in several characters of Don Quixote as one-dimensional characters. And he makes that comparison with limited lives with lives of self-creation, which he illustrates with the characters of Don Quixote and Sancho who evolve throughout the novel. And he writes, quote, contrast those limited lives with the inner richness of Don Quixote, in whom is incarnated the dual process of achieving the plenitude of his existence. And I think this novel or this article as well, just like Zolkowski points out in Catholicism in this article, Medico Castro points out that uh, a description of St. Paul, and he writes that Cervantes describes St. Paul as, quote, a knight errant in life, a steadfast saint in death, an untiring laborer in the Lord's vineyard, a teacher of the Gentiles, whose school was heaven, and whose instructor and master was Jesus Christ himself. Actually, this is from the novel Don Quixote part two, chapter 58. So Cervantes' description of St. Paul. And what else, what Castro also does is he divides the characters into lower strata. And these are the characters that Cervantes will perhaps treat irreverently from time to time versus characters whom Castro describes as being a part of the upper strata, such as St. Paul. And so that what the incarnation in Don, in Don Quixote by Castro really does, it's, it's one of the earliest, most substantial um, articles that discuss or books that discuss Cervantes' Catholicism. Your third pick is the study of part two of Don Quixote. In part two, Don Quixote suffers various misadventures. In grotesque purgatory, Henry Sullivan focuses on these, in particular the descent into the cave of Montesinos, and Don Quixote's mistreatment at the hand of the Duke and Duchess. Sullivan argues that Cervantes' narrative is informed by the doctrine of purgatory. Does Don Quixote help us appreciate the need to offer penance for our sins? Most definitely, and that's um, this is a topic that I address in my book as well, the idea, the Ignatian idea that Don Quixote is a contemplative in action, and that all of his adventures lead to the end of part two in which Don Quixote near death renounces Don Qu- Alon- Alonso Quijano, the name of Don Quixote before he becomes Don Quixote, returns at the end of part two. He renounces Don Quixote and he even admits that he should have spent his life reading books about saints and not reading books of chivalry. And what Sullivan does is study particularly the cave of 
Montesinos episode in part two. And this is an episode in which Don Quixote is lowered. It's sort of like a gorge. And he apparently falls asleep and he has visions and experiences in this cave of Montesinos. And when he returns is from that moment on that he appears to be more in touch with reality. And that really um, is really prefigures the ending when Don Quixote on his deathbed, he renounces these books of chivalry, talks about the importance of reading books about the lives of saints. And Henry Sullivan describes this uh, episode, the Cave of Montesinos, and he says that Don Quixote is cleansed of sin and saved in this life through the instrument of a living purgatory. And he also comments on the effects of the Cave of Montesinos episode on the end of the novel when Alonso Quijano returns. And he writes, quote, but is Don Quixote's spiritual journey merely a parody of these books of chivalry? Is Don Quixote's cure a last-minute miracle, a deus ex machina, to bring the narrative to a suitable close? Or is the cure a slow and gradual process that spans the novel's entire action? And if the cure is gradual, what are the steps by which it is achieved? And so what, what Henry Sullivan does, I think he's one of the earliest writers to do so, is focus on the Christian idea that life is a journey, that we're all learning as we go. We're making mistakes, we're learning from those mistakes. And he applies that to Don Quixote in a theological sense here. And he also mentions a couple of he um couple of other critics who one is E. C. Riley, well known critic who describes the the Cave of Montesinos episode as, quote, the most richly suggestive single episode in the whole book. And and E.C. Raleigh affirms, quote, the conventional view of the cave episode as pointing towards the end of the novel and as a prelude to Don Quixote's recovery and death. Therefore, and he says, seems to me to be well-founded. Thank you for listening. To read or listen to the rest of this interview, and gain full access to our archive, visit 5booksforcatholics.com and become a premium subscriber. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and give it a top rating on the platform of your choice. That way more people can discover it. You can also support the podcast and help us produce more interviews like this one by making a one-off donation via the link given in the show notes. As little as $1.00, one pound or one Europe can help and will be greatly appreciated. Thank you once again, and God bless.